is Paul Hawksby. And Andy Jacobs. And this is the H&J Daily with some of the best bits of this afternoon's show. Well, Stan Collymore joined us, as always. He wanted to get stuck into blue cards. He talked about his oh, mate yeah. Gareth Southgate, who could be sticking around longer than the Euro, so Stan had plenty to say today. Um, we also had a bit of a chat ourselves. We did. Martin Kilner came and had a chat about... Another Boris Beckett documentary. Yeah, it does. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, also Todd, Todd Macklin joined us. We looked yeah. at the Super Bowl and say quite a lot of the bits and pieces around it, of which there are many. So uh, here it all is. <laughs> Five minutes past one. Good afternoon, everyone. Good afternoon, Andy. And so panic over. You're back. Chelsea are back. Oh, we're back. Yeah, yeah Chelsea are back. It's like it never happened. No, it's what I've been saying the whole season. Yeah, I, I did say yesterday, you did give mm. this rallying cry, Andy, just before you left. I was right. You got it? a bit Kenneth Branagh, didn't you? I and did. uh, they kind of gave you what? Maybe they were listening on the coach. I'm hoping that they were. Maybe Potch piped <laughs> it under the coach on the way there. Very unlikely. This is one of your fans. Listen to him, he said. Yeah, the thing is, it's been like this all season. It's yeah. two steps forward, two steps back. That's where they are. Are at the moment, and you've got to. Have, you know, my expectations have been much less this season. So, yeah. you know, occasionally I've got up. So when it's really like a real low, like Brentford at home and Wolves at home, they were two particularly poor results. Yeah. And I must apologise to Wolves fans; they're not happy with me, you know, for suggesting that their team isn't exactly well, Brazil. The thing is they must Brazil nineteen seventy. They, they must know what you're like because every time a team beats Chelsea, it doesn't matter who they are. You, I mean, I don't know if you played sort of Hemel Hempstead in the FA Cup, yeah, I'd want and they beat you. Yeah. No, but you'd want them to lose every game for the rest of the season, absolutely, because you? you're quite bitter. Like I that. am bitter, but I don't know what they've confessed. They're so worried about. They won. They should be happy. Yeah. One bloke saying, "I should be sacked." What for saying Wolves aren't Brazil seventy? What do you want me to do anyway? Yeah. Never you mind. said they had two spawny goals, didn't you? Well, they were. Okay, fair well, enough. They, I, didn't, I never said they didn't deserve to win. They totally deserved to win. They okay. were by far the better team, as they say. Um, yes. Yeah. Uh, serious story in a way. The mm. measles cases are up by a third in a week. Blimey. Says UK. Keep it light. No, and we will see okay. why I'm mentioning it. <laughs> says UK. Well, you know, it's a measles. But it, it says UK health security uh, agencies. Dr. Vanessa Saliba. I don't know if she works with Dr. Vanessa Gabrielle on the study. And that, well, it's about medical, because yeah. you've got uh, GP chief Helen Stokes-Lampard. There's okay. a lot of people from the world of sport. Well, if they find want... a cure, don't have a go over <laughs> over-celebrating. No one really cares. No one really cares whether people celebrate or not, <laughs> do they? That's a point, really. Yeah. And Brits have become hooked on South Korean culture, apparently. Really? This is all down to... It's not str- Jesse Lingard. That would be str- ever so quick, wouldn't it? It's a strange it? mixture. Is it K-pop? <laughs> it's, well, it's K-pop, it's uh, Son, it's Squid Games. It's a right mixture who's of into, things. Really. I mean, who's into South Korea? I mean, Sonny only really matters to Tottenham fans, no, yeah. no one else. Uh, Brave Girls, Gangnam Style hit maker Psy. Yeah. It's quite a long time since that. It's about 2012. Yeah. And Gentleman wasn't a big hit, the follow-up. I'm, I'm, I'm always uh, shocked and stunned by the huge amount of South Korean fans that we now see at the games. Yeah. I mean, it's not a kind of a light sprinkling. There's a lot of South well, Korean fans. massive I know star, he is. Yeah. I, but I can only think mm. yeah, there are even people that, that uh, South Koreans who are living over here, living in different parts of Europe, yeah. coming to games, or they come from South... Is there, like, a sunny tours? Can you just come <laughs> yeah, over probably. and build it around the game? <laughs> probably. Also, yeah. the, the Wolves players, Wang Chi. Yeah. Well, well, something I've noticed a few times... A fine times player, though, I say, to all my Wolves fan friends. Yes, yeah, <laughs> that's right. The um, They do tend to watch... The, quite a few of them I've, I've sat... 
Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Behind, because there's a couple of seats in front of us that pop up mm. on the exchange and go in different hands to people. And they do kind of view the game through their phones. They make. I mean, this is a bit of a generalisation, but I've noticed quite a lot of the times the phones are out, they're filming everything, and they're actually watching it through their phone. And it's a bit disconcerting because your eye goes and you're looking at the pitch through their phone. I know, it's It's, it's ludicrous. I sat next to a bloke. It's because it's mainly kids. There's a kid at at the Wolves game, and I said to him, stop filming, why don't you just watch the game? So he did. Yeah. (laughs) See, I might think that, but I don't want to get involved with a row. I don't want to start an international incident with some young South Korean kid. He can do what he likes. It's nothing to do with me. Football fans. Yeah, it's not Football fans. Football fans have been warned about strong German beer. I don't think they need a warning. I think they'll be delighted about it. Plenty plenty of other countries where the beer's quite strong. Yeah, mad. Um, So, as we said, uh, those lookalikes that you were hit with um, that you could have done without. Um, Brock Purdy has got quite an amazing story. He's the San Francisco 49ers quarterback who will be playing in the Super Bowl at the weekend. And we'll tell you more about him. We touched on him yesterday with our our man out there, Will Gavin. You surprised me. I didn't know that about him. Well, we'll talk about it later, but we are bringing you the Super Bowl talk sport on Sunday evening. And... um, in this Super Bowl week, Andy, you've done one of these. The players, they give you great access to the mm. players. And you ask all the regular questions about the game. And you get more access to the players than you would normally get. So the questions get a bit more ridiculous mm. as time goes on. And we'll bring you some of those uh, later with Todd Macklin. But this week in the build-up to Super Bowl, uh, there's been something trending about Brock Purdy. That he looks like uh, Lee Harvey Oswald, the man, Ooh, depending on the conspiracy <laughs> theories you believe or not, who assassinated John F. Kennedy back mm. in 1963. So they asked Brock Purdy about it, and it was all a bit eggy. Mm. They said, are you aware of this uh, trending? And <coughs> What do you make of the fact that people have said you look like Lee Harvey Oswald? And he said, oh, I don't know. I just you know, just wanted you no, want, wanted no want part of it. Oh yeah, I've, I do gigs as well, Britain's foremost. Parry. Not that I'm suggesting. Yeah. I turn up if you're, if you're having a book launch. I'll turn up there. You know, I won't have a glass of wine. I'll just go and sit by the window. But you know what I mean? It's, yeah, it's what's he supposed to say? Nothing. But now and again, someone will say, "Has anyone ever told you you look like?" Um, you know, Vera Duckworth. Alan Dershowitz. Yeah, you get that. I, I mean, now and again, somebody will hit you and say, you really look like someone. Has anybody ever told you before? You know, and you think, oh, yeah, cheers. So it's the lookalikes you've been hit with or maybe the response you got to one thinking, yeah, hang on, she's a 75-year-old woman <laughs> and I'm a 23-year-old bloke. Where'd you get that from? <laughs> well, I'm not, obviously. Uh, Talksport.com, text 81089, tweet TSHJ 0371722334. And Andy went and saw his granddaughter last night in the gondoliers. Marvellous. Not a pub. <laughs> um, 
She's not doing bar work. She's only what nine. <laughs> nine. So, it but was she was in the, sweet. She was in Gilbert and Sullivan, wasn't she? Yeah, absolutely. And you've had the hundred day cough. I have. And day you fifty. Were, yeah. And you were quite <laughs> dear fifty, and it's still <laughs> yeah. hanging away in a hanky. <laughs> um, but you were. He's off now. See what I mean? <laughs> That's bad. Doesn't take much. <laughs> oh, okay. off we go. Look, thump him on the back. Someone. It's the laughing that brings it on. It's the laughing. Okay, I'll do my best. <laughs> um, so the reason we bring it. What did you cough through? I, oh yes, because you, I because you were very worried. I weren't was you? worried. I was concerned. I thought, oh no, I don't want to start coughing. It's going to look bad. And if I've got to stand outside, blah blah blah. And I didn't cough in the entire show. So I was delighted. That's was brilliant. Like, well oh, done. I'm I only know Gilbert it. and Sullivan's greatest hits. I wouldn't know what. The, what's the big breakout songs from the Gondoliers that I might know? No, I can't no? say. I, no, no, no foot tappers. No foot tappers. Yeah. No. It was very good. I was glad I'd actually Wikipedia'd it before the show because I thought I wouldn't know the story, know especially when nine-year-olds doing it. I mean, they did you know. very well, though. Did they really? Oh yeah, blim, it's not easy to do that. No, all of that language. Not it is. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. Yes. Well done to him. Oh, yeah. So, what did you cough through and why? Uh, Talksport.com. Text eight ten eighty nine. Tweet T S H and J. So, uh, coming up today, uh, not just Mark Housey, former Premier League referee, but his brother Paul. Manager of Ware Town FC, who's had some experience of sim bins and all that. We'll get Mark's take on, I mean, interesting game from the managers. It does feel like another layer of something we could all do without. And I talked about this the other day with that uh, Joe Roden town, something I'd like to see out of the game. Yeah. Why have they picked it, packed it in with dissent? Why did they do that? Just cut out technical. Tactical fouling. Yeah. Just cut that out. Descent, you've already got a yellow card. You don't need anything else for descent. Yeah. A yellow card, if it continues, you give him a red. Yeah. You don't I think need what you need card. to do is for tactical fouls, especially when they've been shared mm. around a team, not mentioning any team yeah. names, but when it's being shared around a team, you've got to book Ruben yeah. Diaz. Oh, sorry, I've let it slip. I don't... You've got to book Ruben Diaz earlier. Yeah, but I'm not, really? I'm not talking about those when you routinely kick someone. I'm talking about the one where. Guy gets the ball on the halfway and he spins past the defender. It's yeah, a, you're on a break. You're pulled back. That's a but tactical they don't foul. get they don't get punished early. If you punish those early, yeah. you don't need no, to be doing that. You normally get a yellow for that whenever it is. No, in the game. no, you don't, Andy. They they top them up. You share them out and you top them up. Well, the, referee... one, the one where you've beaten somebody and they've run past you. That's normally a yellow, isn't it? Well, you pull them back. Well, if you pull them back, yeah. Well, that's the if one. If they're I, last I man, that's a the, red card. I want to see the tact. No, last man, they're the red card, but they, they don't do it when they're the last man in general. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Hawksby, Andy Jacobs here on Talk Sport. We're going to be talking about the Super Bowl, which we bring you live at 10.30 on um, Sunday night uh, uh, here on Talk Sport. And uh, we've been talking about Brock Purdy, the... Um, quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers apparently looks a bit like they say Lee Harvey Oswald, the man that assassinated John F. Kennedy, not the plumber. Although if you were a plumber called Lee Harvey Oswald, you wouldn't put it on the side of your van, would you? Certainly if you the Dallas area. Um, and uh, this was a corker. Where was it? I'm just going to find this. It was an email from one of the listeners to, 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 to bring you that before we talk blue cards and more. It's typical, we've got so many, I can't find it. Just talking about, oh, here it is. Um, I clean ovens in Essex. Says yeah. And one job I was on, the lady said I was the double for the actor Donald Pleasance. Uh-huh. You remember from the Bond films <laughs> yeah, and yeah. indeed from no, uh, The Great, great Escape. Not a great look at Not a great, not something you'd particularly want. Mm. Um, for the next two hours, she only called me Donald and told her daughter to ring a lookalike agency. 
and took photos of me. <laughs> Thank goodness I didn't hear anything else. <laughs> yeah, that's not one you'd be massively pleased about. No, you wouldn't really. No, we got, yeah, Sandy. No, got, I love this one. Uh, somebody wrote to the star, Dave uh, wrote to the star, yeah. about Julia Hartley Brewer. Oh, yes, our <laughs> very own. Yes, yes. Talk TV, yes. Juliet Harrier Brewster. <laughs> it's brilliant, isn't it? That is good, yeah. <laughs> Where'd you get that's that close enough. from? You sure that's not the tribute act? <laughs> uh, we're going to have a chat with um, Stan Conmore a little bit later on on all manner of things before we get into his uh, regular roundup mm. of all the Premier League games. But you may recall, Andy, we had a referee in the studio on, on Christmas Eve. Oh, yeah. Uh, Elijah, young Elijah. I do remember uh, him, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. unlike me, but I do remember Yeah, that's, it is unlike you. <laughs> and we've been asking about blue cards and sim bins. Mm. And Elijah's called in. Oh, that's bold of him. Hi, Elijah. Hey, gents. How's it going? Good. Did you, good. did you have a good Christmas then? We said we saw you right on there just a couple of days before. Yeah, absolutely. Cracking one. Really good. Um, got in a few Boxing Day games and all that, but also got to go abroad. So, a really good one. Oh, nice one. So, what, what's your take on this then? There's been an awful lot of talk of it today. From a referee's point, have you been, have you been working with Simbins? Uh, yes, I have now for like, I think it's been like three seasons because it's up to the first level pretty much where the FA Cup qualifier starts, but it's also involved in most grassroots games as mm-hmm. a youth now these days and Sunday leagues. And it being involved in the Premier League, I think it'll have many, it'll have pros and cons because at the moment it is only used against dissent, not tactical fouls. As most of the leagues you work in, if you give a sin bin, it can only be for dissent and it is the 10 minute timeout that's all being getting talked about now. But there is nothing about tactical fouls. So if someone pulls someone's shirts or trips them up to stop that from an attack, it is just your typical cautioning on all the leagues. Hmm. Okay. And the thing is, it has very much helped to reduce dissent, which is why I myself am not opposed to using it for dissent. But then when it comes down to tactical fouls, you do get more of an issue because as many have also stated on here, you get issues on the timing of the fact of which official is going to deal with that and how it can come a bit of a pain because usually with dissent, you just have to show one sin bin and it gets everyone to show up. Right. With that dissent, uh, you know, it, you just stamped your authority there being like, no, you're not going to talk to me like that. Off you go for 10 minutes. And everyone else is like, okay, we need to keep it down now. Otherwise, we're going to be down to 10, 9. So it does work. There. You think it does work really well as a deterrent for dissent, definitely. Yes. And yeah. for any of those people, I've seen many people say now wrestling to, you know, toughen up and all that. But I'd say it's not just used for just helping to, you know, rest with any mental issues, but it's also helped to control the game because then they get less crowding, easier to make decisions, and it also helps to keep our referees because we are having a lack of referees in the country. Mm. And the problem is most are leaving because of abuse and dissent. And before the sin bin was introduced, whenever I used to book or even send off players for what they said to me, They'd always shout back to me, oh, why is it you don't see this in the Prem? The rest in the Prem don't do this. Why is it you are? Blah, blah, blah. Right. And the worst part is, I can never send anything back. Yeah, yeah. But this season, they've now actually started to stamp down a bit more on it, and I really like seeing it. Yeah. And that's why you can't get it as much back. But I find that if they introduce the Simbin to the Prem, mm-hmm. you'd see it a lot less at grassroots. You wouldn't see these 10 year old kids doing it because they're seeing. Fernandez or whatever doing it in the Premier League. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. And uh, one of those more reps. Excellent, Elijah. Good, good to talk to you again. Thanks for telling us about your experience. Appreciate it. Thanks very much. All the best. Mm. Yeah, you too. There we the are. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. A Finding it's a useful weapon for him. Look, they, they're going to try it. At least they do these things and we'll see if, if they'll bring it in. Presumably it's work. They've already been trying it, haven't they, for quite mm. a long time. Oh, should we hear from Gary O'Neill? He's been talking about it today. All the managers have been in the press conferences and, and this will leak out throughout the afternoon. This is what the Wolves managers had to say uh, about the blue card. Would change the game drastically. 
I think it would be a massive, massive change to have to spend 10 minutes down to, to 10 men. Obviously, a lot more often than you normally have to have a red card. I'm sure the blue ones would be coming out more often. Yeah, yeah I mean, well, none of them fancy it. Hopefully, after a while, it, they wouldn't be coming out more often because it'd actually work. It would. That's the thing, isn't it? That's the yeah. only. That's the only thing that we're not quite sure about. They do. I mean, you know, Mark Housie's right. They already got the powers to deal with this. Yeah. A lot of this is about being strong, especially at the Premier yeah. League level. You know, this idea when they all surround the referee. You know, it's easily stopped. You know, just yellow and then a red bye, and that's it. They'd stop doing it. Well, I was wondering with that sending off last week of Philip Billing in the uh, in the game against Forest when he raked down the back of Hudson Adoy's Achilles. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, Rebecca Welsh was the ref. I wonder would if she had an orange card, would that have been an orange mm. as opposed to a red? Well, don't I don't bring mean? in an orange and a blue. Oh, you know what I mean? Sorry, I'm, I'm sorry. What was orange <laughs> yesterday is now blue. Sorry, very I'm still on the orange card. <laughs> I know there are colour blindness issues around that. Hence the blue. Yeah, um, Nick. Uh, has joined us as well, Alan, Nick. Hi, hi. Um, I understand, Elijah, you're a ref as well. Yeah, I'm, I'm a ref. Sounds like a similar level to Elijah. I, I use the uh, Simbin. Well, it's it's available to us. Um, uh, and um, we've been using it for four or five years uh, it's, uh, as part of the original trial. But we don't use it for um, cynical fouls. Mm. I, I, I wouldn't want to use the cynical fouls. You wouldn't want to. Tell too, why is that? Too much ambiguity, really, with um, with deciding who's you know what, what a cynical foul is. Yeah, I tell you what. Well, that, I, don't I, don't know, I don't think there's any. Sorry, I don't agree. There's what ambiguity. Bloke, we, the bloke spins on the halfway line. He's away, or he gets the ball. He receives. He's away, and he's, he's about to launch an attack. And the deliver. Uh, it's called taking one for the team. Every time you take one for the team, that should be a blue card, in my view. You but, think it should I, be? I, I agree. I, no, I agree. I, I totally agree with that. But then, where, where, where's the line drawn? It's like a thick grey line, isn't it? You, there's no. You'll be given. It'll be given for someone who you know. One person's clear and obvious is somebody else's not clear well, and obvious. Let me ask you, Nick. The one that's popped up a lot today. I saw Sky talking about it. One or two of the listeners have said, "Okay, you want the archetypal blue card challenge? It's Chiellini on Saka." In the European Championship final, yeah, when he clings, it grabs him by the shirt, stops him getting away. Absolutely. It's much more than a yellow. It can't be a red because of where he is on the pitch, and it's not violent. It's you know, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah. So that is that is the kind of that's the textbook blue card, Nick, isn't it? In in IFAB's world, yes, it would. But in um, in the world of normal football, that isn't Premier League, then um, then you just take that, and it, it would end up being. Um, a huge argument over what, what, whether it should be a blue card or not be a blue card, yeah. um, and, and I think it just creates too yeah. much. From a refereeing point of view, in 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 parks or in local football in in Devon, then um, I think it just creates too much, um, too many arguments. Yeah. Right. Yeah, Good man, you know, you, you've got thanks, experience this thanks, on the ground. Thanks for your call, Nick. Mm. Uh, I just wonder, is it is it like I said, sort of sledgehammer, crack and How much of a problem is it? that we need another card and we need a Simbin and we need an area. We need the players getting cold. I, the only thing I feel is that football would be such a better sport without tactical fouling. It's it's so annoying. It's annoying when it's your team and you're not particularly pleased when your team has to commit one. It means no. they're, they're being but when you out. have, I mean, 
Uh, when you, I mean, you're talking about this tactical fouls or cynical fouls. I mean, they're, they're two sort of different things. Sometimes they're petty little fouls, but the, lots the, of them the, shared amongst no, the team. No, I'm not talking about those. That then you can deal with those with yellow how cards. Many, how many? I'm talking about the breakaway, the one that stops the breakaway. You see it quite a lot. You see it enough yeah. to justify a whole new strata of officialdom. Well, because a yellow card the other night it happened. Joe Roden did it. He got a yellow card. They didn't profit from the free kick. And you think. There you go. He's, he's done well. He's benefited. He's taken one for the team, and the team have benefited. And that's not right. I don't yeah. think it's right. No, I, 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 I mean, I don't know. But I don't the know. trouble is with all of this. The more you bring in, and we saw with Ellery with his fiddling about with the handball rules, just ruining wow. it completely. The more you fiddle about with it, the worse it is. Yeah. No. Oh, look. Keep reacting. Talk sport. We're going to hear from Stan Collymore very shortly. Get uh, Stan's take on that. Um, uh, you can keep those lookalikes you could have done without. Poor old Brock Purdy and Lee Harvey Oswald. We'll take uh, some of those from you this afternoon. Um, my hairline started receding in my late 20s. A woman working in the checkout at Screwfix said, you look a lot like Billy Mitchell from EastEnders. Perry Fennick, of course. Mm. Fine actor. That's, that's not mm. too bad. That's that's right. Not the biggest of insults. Um, so, yeah, keep those coming. <laughs> Talksport.com. Text eight. You get Alan Gershevitz, yeah. don't you? How dare you say I look like George Clooney? Yeah. <laughs> oh, we've had so, yeah. Somebody's come on. There was a post he came on and said, I'm just sick of being compared to David Ginlar. I cut my hair. I'd had enough of it. Of course. Yeah, I bet you had Ginny on. <laughs> the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Well, as we predicted, more and more managers being asked about uh, potential blue cards and sim bins. Maurizio Pochettino, the Chelsea manager, has just been talking about it and has taken a very similar line from a number of the other Premier League managers that we heard from earlier on today. At the moment, what the, which is my feeling now, is it's not a good idea. For me, my first feeling is it's so complicated, you know, to add another colour, another, you know, card to the to the game because it's too many questions, Mark. Uh, Maurizio Pochettino, there's Stan Collymore, uh, former uh, striker, of course. He's interesting to get an ex-player's take on it. Afternoon, Stan. Afternoon, Paul. Afternoon, Andy. Congratulations, Andy. Midweek uh, oh, display. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I did call it on social media. I thought we've been a little bit poor of late at home and... Uh, and Chelsea with uh, full value for uh, for the win. Congratulations. Well, true Very gritted nice. teeth. Very nice of you to say so, Sam. But we all know that Chelsea, you know, are so massively inconsistent. They've been good in games this season. Yeah. They were particularly good on Wednesday night. But, you know, just the next game, they could be equally as bad as they were against we'll Wolves. come on to that in the preview because mm. we got uh, blue is the colour, but unfortunately it's for the Simbin card. So yeah. uh, what's your take on that, Stan? Okay, I have a, a good old-fashioned, very quick, uh, call Collymore-esque rant. Okay. 1970, <laughs> yellow and red cards were brought into the game uh, to address various problems from fouling to dissent, etc., etc. 54 years ago, the rules have held up very, very... The laws have held up very, very good since then. Um, football, the laws want to keep 11 players on, hence the warning. Player, man, um, Referee goes over to player. You do that again, you get a yellow. You do that, you get a yellow, and then you get a red. So you get three bites at a, at a cherry uh, if, you're a, if you're a professional footballer on the pitch. But tactical fouls, as Andy said, are a problem, as is dissent. Yellow is usually a warning, plus a punishment these days, because you get totting up. So it is a punishment, a yellow card. Red is a clear punishment. You get sent off, your team has to play with uh, 10 men for anything, you know, five minutes, 55 minutes. You gave the Saka Chiellini example. Let's use that. Let's all think of an example whereby, whether it be 10 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, 40 minutes into a game, 
there is a tactical foul. The law already provides a punishment for it. We just choose not to. And that is a red card. Mm. Um, make it a straight red. We're all used to, and we've all been brainwashed with, if the ball goes over the top, if it's one versus one, um, Paul Oxby drags down striker Andy Jacobs, mm. um, you get a red card. You could make that right across the pitch. We, we would then avoid the need. The problem with the blue card is, is the problem with VAR is that it opens up a whole new level of subjectivity yeah. on the pitch, off the pitch, loads more to talk. Was it? Wasn't it? I'd just like to see the, the, the lawmakers and the, the major worry for me about IFAB and FIFA and uh, uh, all of these thought balloons that keep coming out every now and again, which then get reversed, is that people at the top haven't got a clue about the sport that they're administering. Mm. Let's just all think about it as football fans. If we want rid of Saka versus Chiellini, send him off. Mm. Make a provision in the game that a referee can say, um, in the, the opening two weekends of the Premier League, any tactical foul, and we all know the teams that, did, that, that do it, um, the champions of England, no less. If you look at Pep Guardiola's first three or four years, within five seconds of them losing the ball, somebody would give away a foul in a Manchester City shirt. Why? Punctuates play, stops play, stops the, play, the opposition getting rhythm. Send a player off. If you send a player off, and you do it enough in the first two or three weeks, it stops. But you've got to give the referees the ability to be able to do that. And all I fear that a blue card would do is basically say, let's just have more debate about was it or wasn't it. Let's just use the current yellow and red card. Yellow as a warning, red as the punishment, and be done with it. No, I, I, I tend mm. to agree. It's interesting you know, that the grassroots refs that rang us both said... They like the sin. It's made a difference to the sin, but I think I think Stan's right. I think within the confines of what you have with red and yellow cards, you could tweak the laws, Mm. and you wouldn't need a blue card. That's true. You know, that's the thing you see because you could have if you're playing on a Sunday and you haven't got the use of VAR and technology. Sometimes even you know, um, linesmen and what have you, assistant referees don't turn up. So it, it become a referee, a good referee at Sunday level. Yeah. If he sees somebody go and do somebody in a really bad challenge, he'll go over and say, if you do that again, you an early bath. Mm. So they're having to think on their feet. Premier League referees don't get the benefit of that because they all now referee by diktat. And if you don't referee per the book, you're going to get dragged off a whole match week. Yeah. But to add, yeah. a, add a, a whole new level of cards for something that is incredibly subjective, I think we get further and further away from the kind of sport that we want to watch rather than one which is looking to address um, creeping issues like dissent. That was meant to be dealt with 15 years ago when the captains in the South and the captains in the North of Premier League teams were sat down in front of television screens and it said, we're all going to now adhere to the respect campaign. We're not going to crowd referees anymore. There's going to be no dissent. That went out of the window within Mm. five years. And so to deal with the the issue of tactical fouls, first one, no warning, no yellow card, sending off. Well, yeah, it's interesting. I'd like to see that.
We want to get your take on your old teammate, Gareth Southgate, as well. I mean, maybe a bit too much has been read into it. We wouldn't have expected him to say, no, that's it for me after the Euros. Yeah. Um, yeah. But by the same token, he has left the door open. He, and it's a difficult one, Stan, isn't it? We don't quite know. If he goes and wins it, what a way to go out. If he doesn't get to a final, which he's done before, that may be seen as, as failure and he may want to walk away. If we have a disastrous Euros, there'll be no stomach to keep him anyway. So, so much does depend on the Euros, doesn't it? Yeah, I think that, that par for the course for this England squad is a semi-final. And I don't think we should be ashamed of saying it in the same way that Trent Alexander-Arnold the other day said, we're going for the quadruple. We're, we're, we're very conservative with a small C in this country about, you know, being the anti-Americans, if you like. If you're an American sportsman, you go, I'm going to do this and I'm going to beat him and I'm going to be the best. Um, is that England, par for the course, for the talent of the squad, for the experience of the squad, should be semi-final. So if we go out before that, then I think there's an argument for a new manager. If we win it, then there's an argument for the manager staying because you've got a World Cup only two years after, um, a bigger World Cup, of course, in Canada, the United States and Mexico. And I would then like to see Gareth Southgate as taking his champions of England into that kind of World Cup. So for me, it's really simple. If England don't get to a semi-final, Gareth goes. If England win it, he stays. Yeah, um, I would have said final, really, with this squad. You feel the really final with are. the squad we've they got. should get to the final. They're good enough. I mean, it's hard, though, isn't it? It's, a, it's hard getting to a well, final. Well, it's a tournament, so of course yeah, it's and not you know, And we saw we could have easily have won that European uh, oh, championship. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a, you know, the width of a fag paper sometimes. Now, the other subject we wanted to discuss, we've only got about a couple of minutes to do it, Stan, yeah, yeah. and it's such a huge topic. We can own, and I, I feel bad brushing over it, but there were some comments that Gianni Infantino made yesterday about racism. Uh, he said, we've witnessed a lot of racist incidents. This is not acceptable anymore. We have to stop this and do whatever it is we can. Uh, it's something terrible. We have to eradicate it. We have to start criminal charges against those who act in a racist way and ban them from stadiums, but that is not enough. Uh, the consequences have to be a forfeit against the team responsible for the abandonment. In the next three months, we must work together before the FIFA Congress in Bangkok in May to come together with a strong, uh, united resolution for the fight against racism. Let's stop racism. Let's stop it now. Are you any more optimistic about that than before he said that yesterday, Stan? No, I think that as, as head of FIFA, what he needs to do is, again, as a diktat to UA for all of the zonal regional organisations is to say, if this club, you know, the three strikes and you're out, if you've got a football club that has a, a, a name for uh, race, racially abusing players, you give them an opportunity um, to have one game behind closed doors with an education process for supporters Second time, you give a massive fine. Third time, you close the stadium potentially for a whole season or kick them out of Europe. It's going to take draconian measures for people to change their opinions um, on whether it be race, whether it be homophobia in the game, etc., etc. And a lot of people, I'm just throwing it out there, that having a World Cup in, in Qatar, where there are obvious issues around uh, certain communities not feeling welcome, legal issues around um, uh, uh, gay and lesbian um, uh, football supporters, which I know were addressed, is that some people could say, well, you're talking Billy Big Talk about racism, but here you had a tournament in Qatar and you may have tournaments in Saudi Arabia mm. um, in the future. So I think that unless they're even-handed across all the isms, I think what we should take uh, Gian uh, Fantini, Infantini with, uh, with a pinch of salt, if I'm being honest. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. 
Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com acast and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Good afternoon, Paul Hawksby, Andy Jacobs here on Talk Sport. We bring you the clips of the week, as always, uh, of a Friday in the final hour. The show will be off to the Ivory Coast, where... I'm afraid they've got a third-place playoff. Um, we will be discussing that in the, in AFCON. But it's all about the final, and uh, Quaker Fire and Tony Afogi will join us. They've been keeping us updated. I say, there's still players out there that clubs want want desperately well, back, like but, uh, back they? but they'll come you know they'll come back in uh, in a good frame of mind you would think so um that's all to come uh, but before that Martin Kellner brings us a week of sport on TV Hi. good afternoon yeah. Martin Good afternoon. Yeah, Kudus uh, is back. Obviously. He's back. Yeah, Kudus is mad. back. Yeah, yeah. He's, 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 he's out. out there. No, yes, he's back. Yeah, yeah. He's back. Not improved the team greatly at the moment, but he is <laughs> he's back. Um, yeah, on TV this week, uh, mm. Joy, Hallelujah, another Boris Becker documentary. Wow. Re- I mean, there was Can't one. Wait. Uh, yeah. yeah, precisely. This one's <laughs> Boris Becker, The Rise and Fall. Okay. Now, this <laughs> follows on from, uh, it's on ITV. And, you know, they make it a sort of reasonably big deal about it. Mm. It's a couple of uh, episodes. But it was only about, I don't know, maybe three months ago, four months ago, that there was one on uh, Apple TV, which I think may also have been on uh, Netflix. I certainly watched it, and I don't think I've got Apple TV. Wasn't the rise the start of the fall, if you pardon the expression? (laughs) Blimey, okay. This is working a bit old school. um, Really? Also, I mean, I just wonder if if you've got a... 
a big fat fee from both of them. I wonder if he told the other ones that they were somebody else was making a documentary. <laughs> not he's his not job to do that, is it? <laughs> no, he's not on this oh, one. Oh, he's not in so it. Oh, okay. this, is, this is a clips and paste job, this one. Are uh, you in it? it? <laughs> no, I'm not, sadly. But it, it's not a clip showing that, you know, <laughs> presenter Bert Sproggs uh, <laughs> is doing his little oh, bit. That's it's a shame that. I like him. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> it, it's not that. But basically, they rely very heavily on uh, Charlie, Charlie Becker, oh. uh, who was one of his wives. So this is the wife he married in Miami, oh. who was described variously uh, as a party girl, whatever that is. She also, <laughs> uh, uh, well, no, no yeah. come across her. No. Somebody who's, you know, a party girl. What do you do? I'm a party girl. No way. It doesn't, doesn't happen. Certainly not up here. No. <laughs> but anyway, um, back, so they rely very heavily on her. If you, I mean, she is basically now... I don't know, she's making a career out of being Boris Becker's ex-wife because mm. I've seen on several documentaries talking about it. She's the one who's got the story about the horses in the bedroom. Oh. So, yeah, you, you know that. I told you about that last time. Mm. He allegedly, according to Charlie, yeah. which is this wife that he married in Miami, the party girl, who also, incidentally, is on uh, German TV a lot. Oh. Um, she's on a programme called Die Gegenteil Show, uh, which is a sort of satirical reality show. Oh. Looks to me a bit like Taskmaster. Oh, right. And she's on another show called Täglich uh, Frisch Gerüstet, which means... <laughs> <laughs> Wait for it. Täglich Frisch Gerüstet, which is one of her... It's another late-night show on German TV, uh, and it translates as uh, Every Day Freshly Roasted. Okay. That's that's what it's draw called. a veil over that, shall yeah. we? Yeah, I think, it's, I think it's a chat show, more oh, or okay. less. Satirical chat show. So, you know, basically she has a career appearing on various uh, TV shows. Mm. And I'm sure, I think initially she'd been a model or something like that. Yeah. Um, but um, they do, in, in amongst her party girl activities. A party girl, yeah. yeah. I don't know that's a full-time job or yeah. she might have been an apprentice, I don't know. But, um, yeah, so she's got the horses in the bedroom story, where it, which he denies, I right. ought to say. Yeah. And, and because he's not on the programme, we just get a caption at the end saying um, Boris Becker denies various um, tax things. Right. Obviously, we know that. And he denies the story of the horses in the bedroom. Okay. Yeah, apparently they were in the kitchen. They were in the kitchen. Well, you'll have to watch the both parts. <laughs> well, they're, 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 the horse in the bedroom is simply, they shared this place in Geneva, I think, mm. him and Charlie. Yeah. And she claimed she came home one day and there were horses in the bedroom. Yeah. And she well, said, you'd have a word, wouldn't you? Yes, you would. And the reason is that he was fearing a visit from the tax man right. and these uh, these uh, horses he hadn't paid tax on these horses right. so he hid them in the bedroom mm. so that if the if the people from whatever the Swiss equivalent of the HMRC is yeah. uh, wouldn't know that he'd got these uh, oh. tax free horses John Joe who kneels yacht what's going on Blimey. but he denies it anyway I ought no, to okay. say that he does that deny yeah. that yeah. But yeah. The, so okay. it's all the familiar stories I love the way they start the thing they say this is Boris Becker as never seen before, unless you watch the other documentary <laughs> yeah. on which Boris Becker actually appeared. Yes, you know? indeed. Um, but you know, it's if you don't, if you're not familiar with the Boris Becker story and you've not got uh, streaming service, 
it goes through all the stories that you know. I like the stuff. About, I mean, one of the... It's always, as I've said before, I think the Boris Becker story is almost like a Greek tragedy. It was it was yeah. waiting to happen. And it was waiting to happen because he, he obviously won Wimbledon at 17, uh, etc. And, uh, you know, boom, boom, Becker. He, he was diving around the court. It was tennis as we'd never seen it before. Mm. He hit the ball sort of harder than anybody. And certainly as a 17-year-old, um, it was phenomenal. But what happened then is he, uh, he linked up with this guy, uh, Jan Tiriak, who yeah. was uh, a Romanian um, agent mm. who's his, um, his, he's quite an interesting character. Former player. Yeah, yeah I remember him as a player. Yeah, yeah. former player, that's right. He was known as the Brajov Bulldozer. Oh, yeah, so he was he was the Brashoff bulldozer, and uh, one of the journalists who speaks on the program, a German journalist, mm. said that you know they wanted to get because it was such a sensation that this this guy from a small town in southwest Germany, that former junior player, had won Wimbledon at seventeen and then uh, eventually rose to number one in the world. It was such a sensational story. They want they wanted exclusive access. And he said they turned up to see Jan Tiriak uh, with a suitcase. This guy said, I had a suitcase with 50,000 Deutschmarks in it. Really? Um, they gave the 50,000 Deutschmarks, you know, how it was divvied up, I have no idea. Mm. Um, but anyway, so he got the 50,000 Deutschmarks. And then they started getting exclusive interviews. And then there was all the girlfriends, etc., etc. So he was virtually, as a teenager, yeah. he was virtually, you know, sold to the... Uh, to the media, right. um, which made it very difficult later on to um, mm. to ask for any sort of media privacy. So and then on, there was, oh, on, sorry, it's on the ITV. It's on ITVX, is it, Martin? On the ITV it's on, player? It's on ITVX. Yeah. yeah, they're plugging it quite strongly on ITV. Yeah. And uh, if you've seen the other documentary, don't bother. Okay. But uh, <laughs> if you if you don't know about the horses in the bedroom and you don't know about the broom cupboard. Mm. And you don't know about, uh, you know, all the various um, different ladies, etc. Yeah. Um, tune in. And of course, yeah. tune in. And of course, there's some great uh, clips of tennis. tennis. Well, that's a little the, bit of tennis in between all the party girls. Oh, that's that. Uh, I'm not watching. Let's squeeze in pitch invasion. <laughs> how the Scottish and Irish change football. Yeah, I mean, if you're terminally nostalgic and the 1980s uh, tennis isn't enough for you, um, this is basically, it starts off with Martin O'Neill, Charlie Nicholas, Kenny Dalgleish, and uh, it's... Again, it's a bit, it's a sort of clip show, really. It's showing you uh, Scottish and Irish footballers and what a big um, what an influence they had on uh, English football in the uh, in the seventies and eighties. And there's various talking heads: Patrick Keelty, David Moyes is on there. You know, right. talks about. So it's, um, the, it's, the, it's the invasion down to England to play in the old yes. first division, yes, of, of Irish and Scottish players. It's exactly that. Right. Um, mm. If you've not seen all the clips of George Best. They're all in there again. Right. I mean, especially for kiddies, this is quite interesting because there will be, you know, clips of uh, George Best that you've not seen before, okay. um, and they are in there. Uh, and it's really interesting that, uh, you know, Celtic, as we know, the Lions of Lisbon, 967, they won the European Cup, first British team uh, to do so. Every single player on that team uh, was born within 30 miles of Glasgow, oh, which, right. when you think of modern football, that is an amazing uh, statistic, yeah. really. Yeah, it's excellent. So that's... Um, that's on the BBC iPlayer, Martin. That's yes. on BBC iPlayer, yeah. Good stuff. Um, OK, we're out of time, but you are back overnight, aren't you? 1am. Back overnight, 1am. And it's, uh, there's no cricket, obviously, because they're having a break. So uh, we're um, all the way through till 5 o'clock. Oh, fantastic. OK, brilliant. Yes. Well, Martin, <laughs> uh, we will catch up with you next week. Have a good show. Thanks for joining us. 
Adieu. Cheers, boys. Here we are, Martin Kellner. They're looking at a couple of the big documentaries out and about on ITV and BBC. So it's Super Bowl weekend, and Todd Macklin is going to join us. It's going to be Super Bowl heavy, apart from looking at the game. It's always a lot of interesting stuff. The halftime show, uh, all the build-up to this has been very Taylor Swift heavy, of course. There's some other weird and wonderful stories around the match. And uh, You think she's playing in the game. It's I know. Ridiculous. We'll be covering all the ground we possibly can, including the Madden, uh, the EA Sports Madden prediction mm. to see what they have gone with. They, they've been uncannily right uh, a couple of times, but been quite wrong as well. So, uh, you know, don't have a bet on it. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. <laughs> Well, we are going to talk Super Bowl. We're just having a bit of a problem with our line to Tom Macklin uh, over in Canada, so we'll do that uh, very oh. shortly. Are you yes. planning to watch? I am planning to watch uh, the bit that I always watch, which is uh, the players coming out. I love the intros when they come in, and they. I love the way they run in. I like the... God bless America. I like the national anthem. I like the first quarter, and then I'm off to bed. Right, I'll take fair the, enough. I'll take the the rest of it, and you know, record the rest of it, and maybe watch the halftime show. Um, but I've done a piece for Talk Sports uh, coverage, actually. Oh, okay. Yeah, I've done a piece about how I got into the NFL. And, you know, and how much what I think of it. And, all and you worked stuff. on the Channel Four coverage I all did, those yeah. years ago, didn't I you? Very much did. Yeah, with Andy Smart. That's how I'm, we met. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, let's look ahead to the Super Bowl. I think we managed to get a line through to Todd. Hello, Todd. Hey, boys. Oh, we'll go old tech. We'll go on the phone today. We had an issue. Yeah, I, bl- I blame Taylor Swift for this. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> blame her for most things uh, this weekend. So, um, let's have a look at... Uh, we'll come on to the game, uh, but it has been very Taylor Swift heavy, a lot of this. And in Super Bowl week, it seems that the press have a lot of time with the players and they have a lot of time to ask questions that aren't really about uh, football. And uh, somebody did ask... Uh, a question. Um, yeah, who's going to get a ring first, the uh, the Niners <laughs> or Taylor? They asked uh, Travis Kelsey, and he sort of sighed a bit and sidestepped it. Didn't want anything to do with it, but they're pushing that. There is. We spoke to the guys at Paddy Power earlier on, who who's, they've got a bet that if he wins it, uh, wins the suit, he's going to go down on one knee on the pitch. That's not going to happen, is it? Uh, it will not. I, I don't see that happening. Um, but it's it's crazy. You guys, I mean, you know, there's conspiracy theories about Taylor Swift uh, trying to get the election to, for Joe Biden, right? Like, there's crazy, crazy conspiracy theories mm-hmm. with her and uh, and everything. And so, yeah, listen, um, it, it's so funny about when you think about when Taylor Swift first got together with Travis Kelsey, right, about all the – I think they won the first game or two or whatever, and, and then they lost a game or two, and, and Kelsey's numbers weren't what they – you know, receiving numbers and touchdowns weren't what they were. And then there was a – you know, is she a jinx to the Chiefs, right? Because they had that uh, that really bad December, right, when in and around when, when she first got together with Kelsey. And, you know, now it's just – Listen, they're going to set record numbers, and it's not all down to her. Um, you know, whether it's for ticket prices or viewership or whatever, um, but she certainly has not hurt the cause. And uh, she has been re- really the last kind of week and a half. She's been the focal point, right? About you know, will she get to the Super Bowl on time? So we will be talking about her even throughout the game, right? We talked about prop bets about 
how many times she's going to get shown. <laughs> she's about as big a star as whoever wins this Super Bowl uh, this year for the NFL. Yeah, he'll get out the ring. She'll get out the prenup. Let's be honest. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't think he's not that poor. No, but she's absolutely loaded. <laughs> yes, I would yeah. imagine. Uh, if she gets the prenup out on the pitch, that won't feel right, I don't think. Um, so, yeah, amongst the questions, we've been talking about this today. Brock Purdy, who said, we were chatting about him yesterday with uh, Will, who's over at the Super Bowl for our coverage tomorrow, that this incredible story of the very last pick, Brock Purdy, in the draft. Mr. Irrelevant, uh, they, they call these uh, very final picks. Absolutely amazing And here he is a couple of years on uh, as the quarterback of the 49ers. It's an incredible story. Um, it is, you know, against the odds. We say, like, it is Mr. Relevant. The odds of the last pick in the draft, uh, just making the team are incredible. Just playing, right? Like, he, if he's a second or third string quarterback that we never really talk about, that's an accomplishment to get to that level despite being the last pick. But to be have a chance to win the Super Bowl as a quarterback, and, you know, a lot of talk about Brock Purdy about he's what we call a game manager, meaning he doesn't screw up a lot, right? Like, that's what they focus on when you've got a good defense, although the Niners' defense hasn't played well. But when you have a good defense and the weapons they have with Christian McCaffrey, Debo Samuel, uh, you know, the talk about Brock Purdy is, well, he hasn't made the big mistake. He just kind of manages the game. He's been very good, especially the last two games, especially the last game where they had to come back against the Lions. He's been very good. And so, you know, if Patrick Mahomes and Taylor Swift and the Chiefs aren't in this game, I think Brock Purdy is probably the guy we're talking about most going into this, the game on Sunday. Yeah. Um, he looks like <laughs> Lee Harvey Oswald, according to one journalist who had nothing That's better to ask. a terrible to ask. thing to say, I think. The man who assassinated uh, John Kennedy, of course, <laughs> he, he was asked about it and just skated over it. But what a weird question. Another weird question asked, uh, it's come up before this, Patrick Mahomes, the quarterback of the Chiefs, um, it's a bit of a feeling. He's been ribbed for it before that he does sound a bit like Kermit the Frog. And of course, uh, the question was put to him during the press conference, and this is what happened. What is your best Kermit the Frog impression? I'm talking right now. That's it. There we are. <laughs> <laughs> he's a bit, though, doesn't he? He's a bit say. Kermit the Frog. Yeah, it is a bit now, we've got to talk about the ads, Todd. We always talk about the Super Bowl ads. Um, I watched a few of them this morning. Uh, Lionel Messi's in one for Michelob, the beer, with uh, with Jason Sudeikis as Ted Lasso. Quite an oh, elaborate that sounds good. kickabout on the beach. Uh, that couldn't have been cheap to make. Um, so, yeah, they are quite elaborate, and they're always very expensive, these slots, aren't they? Yeah, and uh, the Beckhams, right, are in yeah. one. They're in one with, uh, I think, a couple of the, the Friends cast members. Yeah. Uh, for for that and yeah it listen it, it is incredible they know i mean you're not going to get a bigger audience than you're going to get for the super bowl um and again it goes back to you know some of the dumb questions these guys are asked. it's a catch-22 you you want more than just football fans and sports fans watching and they do right it becomes a global event mm. and to do that you've got to have non-sports or non-football media and those are the ones asking the kermit the frog question yeah. in that right so but it's worth it right like the for the worth it, it's worth it for everyone involved the commercials the players there's more money involved and when there, everyone's trying to get more money so that's why you can put up with being asked to do a Kermit the Frog invitation yeah. <laughs> you know when you're trying to win a Super Bowl but yeah 
It's going to be, I, listen, I can't wait. I think it's going to be, hopefully, the game turns out as good as we mm. anticipated uh, it turning out. You mentioned the Beckhams. They're in an advert for Uber Eats and the whole conceit. You're right. Uh, David Schwimmer and uh, Jennifer uh, Jennifer Aniston are in the ad. The whole conceit of it is like you need to forget something before you can remember other stuff. And and the Beckhams have a, a very brief sort of seven, eight second appearance mm. when uh, they can't remember the name of the band she was in. This is what you get. Remember when you used to be a pepper lady? Wasn't it the Cinnamon Sisters? Basil Babes? Paprika Girls? No, that's absurd. <laughs> there we are, the Paprika Girls. I'm sure they wouldn't have made it. <laughs> so the halftime show, um, we've got Usher, uh, who is uh, who's got to be... Got Reba Macken, Usher, yeah. Reba McIntyre's doing the pre-show with the country uh, singer. But, yeah, Usher, and he's promising guest stars by the sound of it, Todd. Yeah, and I think that's the that that's what you're getting with Usher. That's I I'm looking forward to it. He's a great entertainer, great performer, um, great singer, and I think the collaborations is what gets a lot of people as well. Like he's collaborated with Beyonce, Ludacris, Little John, right? Uh, Justin Bieber, right? Canada's own. So I think people are looking forward to him, but also they're looking forward, and he's mentioned it, right? He's he said we're going to have some special guest stars. Mm. So that has really hooked a lot of people as they kind of wait and see who's going to be part of that. You know, it's and it's only 12, 15 minutes halftime show. But again, it's such a big part, along with the commercials, a big part of that whole Super Bowl experience. Yeah. Um, so on to the game, Todd. Let's have a quick word on the game. I mean, it seems that most people think that the Chiefs are, are uh, favourites. But, you know, you kind of read different reports. Everybody's got their own take on it. What do you think? Well, here's – so the Macklin family football pool, we did a playoff pool <laughs> that started when the playoffs started, right, about a month ago or so. So my prediction for the Super Bowl back then was San Francisco to beat Kansas City. I'm the only one that has that game. But now we get to Super Bowl, and I'm like, oh, man, uh, do I flip it? Like, I, I don't know. I'm sitting here, and I've gone back and forth the last week seeing who's going to win because I'm not that confident San Francisco – um, is going to win like I was a month ago when, now that Kansas City's here. So I haven't decided yet, but I'm probably leaning towards flipping to picking the, the Chiefs to win it. It just, just, I have a hard time betting against the Chiefs. They've found a way. You look at the way, their road to the Super Bowl, they've always found a way to, to win, and there's something about that. So I'm probably leaning towards the Chiefs. Uh, the Madden game, finally, they, they they often lots of people kind of play out simulations, and uh, EA Sports Madden NFL twenty four predicted the uh, the Chiefs to win. Uh, they've got it's quite a tight. I think it was like thirty twenty eight, and I remember there was one year they got it absolutely spot on, um, but they don't always get it right, so we shouldn't read too much into that. No, but you know, as we say, like these. These are two of the top, have been the two of the top three or four teams during the regular season. You know, San Francisco had, you know, San Francisco and Philly were kind of the clear top two teams in the NFC. And, and, and you know, KC was in there with Baltimore and Buffalo. Mm-hmm. So you're getting two of the best teams. And it just, you know, we, this game has the ability to be one of the best all time, I think, if it plays out the way we hope. And let's hope it does. Indeed. We'll play out with a bit of Usher. Enjoy the game, uh, Todd. Thanks very much. We'll catch up with you next week. Yeah, Andy, enjoy the first quarter live. Uh, <laughs> enjoy the rest of Sunday. I will. See you, Todd. Thanks. <laughs> the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. There we are. That's how it all unfolded uh, this afternoon. Do hope you can join us on Monday from 1 o'clock when Andy and I are back. Danny Kelly joins us to look back over the uh, Premier League 
weekend and more. If not, the podcast, as always, will be available at four. Until then, have a great weekend. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Hear the guys every weekday between 1 and 4 p.m. on TalkSport. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.